Oh, fuck. I kind of saw it. No, Tori. People love it. <laughs> People love money boners. No, they love a racy t-shirt. Anyway, you, go, you don't really see it right <laughs> off the bat. You have to really l- focus your eyes. <laughs> On this episode of Art of the Short, Bethers teaches Jory Russian propaganda. Jory sexplains sexual consent and both gasp over money boners. We'd like to remind you that all episodes of Art of the Short contain explicit content and a masterful amount of spoilers. If you'd like to read the story before entering, a free link is provided in the show notes. Or if you give no f**ks whatsoever, just keep listening. Art of the Short is an interactive literary art installation. We overextend our opinions on short stories and make art of our interpretations. Like... Bethers will... Stuff like that. Join in the conversation and send us your artwork to add to the gallery at artoftheshort.com. And follow the installation on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Art of the Short to see what others think of this short story through their art. Hi, Jory. Hi, Bethany. Hi. Jory. Hi. How are you? Hi. I'm good. I feel like I missed you this week. Well, I missed you, and I texted you this. I said this. <laughs> I know. I, I said know. this over the uh, phone. Over that phone. <laughs> right? Didn't I say I was thinking about you? <laughs> How was your art experience this week? Mm. My art is simple. Mm-hmm. Just like your answer. Simple. <laughs> My art is simple. Yep. Yep, 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 yep. I found some Crayolas. Yay. They're making their debut tonight. I love a good Crayola. Yeah. Yeah, what about you? What'd you get into? I also, also, I also, I don't know what was wrong with my mouth just then. (laughs) I also kept it simple. I just, I just feel like I can't express my feelings about my art until we get through the summary (laughs) and like reflect on the story a little bit. You just want to say you love it. It's your favorite. You're going to print it and hang it above your bed. I just want to say all of those things. (laughs) I want to say all of those things. Well, this was this was another one that was meeting your request of having a diverse, diverse literature. <laughs> She's choking. She just No, choked. I mean I appreciate I appreciate it. We need some diversity. No, totally. Absolutely 100%. This All I'm saying is it was a tricky one to make art to. <laughs> and so I really went with just my gut instinct on it. Mhm. Can't wait. Didn't think about it much further. It was mm-hmm. just like first instinct, first pass. My very first feeling. Same. And so I did it. It's absolutely same for me. And I don't regret it. Me too. I had one thought, and I pursued it. <laughs> I don't regret it. Good. No regrets. I'm just happy that something was able to come out. That's all. That's all I'm saying. You know what I say? Hashtag YOLO. Oh, no. <laughs> Is it 2001? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Deuces. <laughs> this week's short story is by Fyodor Dostoevsky, Russian novelist and short story writer whose vast influence on 20th century fiction penetrates political, social, and spiritual constructs through his exploration of human psychology. Steeped with philosophical and religious themes, you may be familiar with some of his work, like Crime and Punishment. 
the idiot, and of course, demons. Dostoevsky has a particular talent for matters of the mind that, quote, lead to insanity, murder, suicide, emotions of humiliation, self-destruction, tyrannical domination, and murderous rage. So stick around. This is going to be a fun one. This episode contains content concerning sexual behavior that may be disturbing for some listeners. This week we read A Christmas Tree and a Wedding by Fyodor Dostoevsky. And what a treat, huh? Dude. Obviously translated from the Russian. Treat? (laughs) Treat? I don't know if I would say it was a treat. (laughs) Translated from the Russian. I'll tell you just briefly that this was written in 1848 and translated from the Russian, if I didn't mention. Translated from the Russian. So I'm hearing it was translated from Russian. I wouldn't have gotten that from the name. (laughs) Well, I would like to say that the story just kind of starts with a party, like Mm. a a Christmas party. No, 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 no. It actually starts at a wedding. You're right. Our narrator's at a wedding. Yes. And he says, what a lovely wedding. But actually... What a lovely wedding. Let me tell you about a New Year's party that I went to five years ago. Yes. Yes. That's the opening, and that's very important. I'm sorry I skipped over the most important <laughs> part. It really is. No, it really is. Truly I'm the just crux. excited to get over this story. <laughs> oh my God, Tori! I'm so sorry. You are judging. You are judging. I am always judging. <laughs> you are judging. <laughs> yes, Bethany's right. Flashback. It's supposed to be like a Christmas-ish party, right? Yes. For children, yeah. But then it really is like a party for all the adults to like do business. Hobnobbing, elbow rubbing. During the holidays. like and It's not like holiday business, but it is business. Yeah. It's always business, kind mm. of. Mm, mm, always be businessing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it was for supposedly for the children, but it is definitely for the adults. And they do some like cringy exercises like give presents to all the little kids but like their presence depended on their class cl- yeah their class or their like social status so like this one girl the girl that we are following here she's 11 years old she gets like what i'm imagining is like a porcelain doll that was what i had in my mind like probably silk garments like handmade garments mm-hmm. and then like the governess's young son a sad poor redhead he's described as yeah gets like a book with no cover no back no pictures yeah but he loves it yeah this narrator is one of the invitees Mm -hmm. to the party and he's just kind of like an outsider yeah he's like an outsider he's younger he's at this party he's kind of just observing throughout his telling of what's happening there's almost like a humor to what he observes. He's like taking the piss, kind of. Yeah. He's like quietly sitting in a room. No one even realizes he's like hanging around. So he's able to like witness things that no one else is witnessing in the room. He's watching the kids play. He says he loves watching kids play because he loves watching like social mm, exercises, like watching them work stuff out. He finds entertaining. Yeah. But this one girl, she's really beautiful, big eyes, solemn face. She gets her feelings hurt. So she leaves the room to this other part of the house to play with her very expensive doll by herself. Then the little poor redheaded boy follows her and 
they start playing together and they're having a very nice time. They're like dressing the doll up, yeah. really enjoying each other's company. It's like very sweet. Very sweet. This 11-year-old, everyone knows, everyone's gossiping about how she has a dowry, yeah. a 300,000 ruble dowry, which I'm imagining is quite, quite a, lot a of fair money. sum. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Our narrator knows that and so does this portly Julian Mastakovich. He knows it as well. And he's overheard talking to himself and he's muttering and doing the math and being like, oh, take the three, carry the five, over five years, the interest, we're going to have 500,000 rubles. He comes into this room, thinks he's alone, doesn't see our narrator. Are you feeling creeped out, dear listener, dear reader? You should. Yeah. You should. Because he approaches looms over her small body. She's a child. She's a child. She's 11 years old. And starts like kissing her. Kissing her with his face on her head and being like, are you going to love me? Are you going to tell mommy and daddy that you love me? Uh, He's a stranger. Yes. So she's like stuttering and crying. The little redhead is like trying to protect her. Yeah. The little boy now knows he's in trouble because he knows his station in life. So he gets really scared because this grown man is yelling at him. So he scutters off, and then the adult man chases him, causes a scene. The little boy hides under a table because he can't get away. Yeah. And Julian starts whipping him with, like, a tablecloth or something. Yeah. Insanity! Just a reminder, the narrator is in the room with them the whole time. Mm-hmm. Not stopping anything, just observing. Julian Mastakovich, he's only doing that because he thinks he's alone. He doesn't know he's being observed. Ugh, okay. So gross. So then we get to the end of the story and it fast forwards five years. We have the narrator again. He sees this wedding in the streets. And they're all also gossiping and saying, I think it's her 16th birthday just today. Yes. And so the narrator like goes and sees that the bride is that 11-year-old girl. She looks like she's been crying. Her eyes are red. She looks like she's been crying. And the rich guy gets everything that he wanted. He got to marry her. Yes, the interest played out just as he had imagined. His math was correct. Plus, it says something like all of her belongings and like basically whatever estate that she has is more than that even. And Mm. so she's just worth a shit ton of money, basically. And the very last sentence is the narrator just saying like, Yeah, it was a stroke of good business, though. (laughs) And that's the end of the fucking story after all of that. Yeah. (sighs) The end. Oh, my God. All right. (laughs) Okay, well, I have a confession. What? At this juncture, which is that... You didn't read the story. I'm just kidding. (laughs) I read the cliff notes. (laughs) (laughs) What I thought the story would be was... A mess because I found this story from some person who's a professor and he said that he purposefully makes them read this story every year, even though it's like universally panned as being terrible. Mm. My ears perked right up and I said, ooh, tell me more. (laughs) What about you? What did you think it was going to be? He did Crime and Punishment, right? Mm. Yeah. So that's the only thing that I think I began reading. I think we had to read it in high school, right? Yeah, we did. Yeah. And then I didn't even finish it because I dropped mm. out of AP English, I think, while we were reading it. <laughs> yeah. Because I met <laughs> and then yeah. decided I'd rather hang out with him and not tell my mom <laughs> that I dropped out of AP English and just went to his house and cute. hung out with him at like nine so in the morning. So cute. 
So, yeah. So I just thought I, we were going to get like some sort of moral mm-hmm. dilemma mm-hmm. that makes you feel conflicted. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Well, which I think we kind of did get that, but we can get into it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> what it was, was a mess and moralistic. <laughs> so we were right. We were both right about that. Mm-hmm. I always thought because we had to read him in high school that he was like renowned as like one of our formative Russian authors. Uh-huh. But like people don't love his writing, actually. It was formative in that it inspired a bunch of people, but his writing in and of itself, people don't actually love. And they described it as following. A vision of the chaotic socio-political structure of contemporary Russia. And I was like, well... Yes. <laughs> like, if that, yes, it is that I found it so chaotic. Yeah. As I mentioned, like, we don't know who our narrator is. We don't know why they were there or why they were had this ability to observe. And we didn't mention in our synopsis that, like, as the whole party stops and they're looking at this grown man whipping this little boy and, like, reprimanding him. Yeah that our narrator starts laughing in his face. Like, who is he? Like, who is he that he's able to do that? (laughs) And I do find his role as, like, the outsider only to be so he can explain the sociopolitical leanings of the party. Yeah. The thing that, like, irked me about the narrator as a reader and how the narrator is telling what he's seeing you agree with the narrator and you're like, Mm -hmm. yeah, this situation is gross. Like, there's these rich people who are, like, uh, I was going to say something really gross and I don't want to. Uh, <laughs> these rich people who are salivating over each other's mm-hmm. like pocketbook or whatever. And <laughs> pocketbook? I don't know. I just said wow. pocketbook. Is that old timey? Wow. Yeah. Speaking of old timey. I know. It I, I just came out. <laughs> they were laying on their Davino <laughs> reading their pocketbooks. <laughs> um, you're like, yeah, these people are like really fucked up and the situation is like grotesquely like... Um, uh, uh, what's the word? It's one of like the seven deadly sins. What is it? When you take too much and you don't need it. Sloth. What's the other one? <laughs> Coveting. No. Pride. No. <laughs> Murder. No. It's the one where you like gluttonous. Uh. Gluttonous is what I was thinking. <laughs> you literally named like all of them before the gluttonous. But it is. And you agree that like it's just too much excess of what their mm-hmm. lives are. And you just agree that this sleazy, gross human who comes and tries to like basically molest this little girl. Yes, he does. You you have that opinion. You're like, this whole situation is really fucked up. It's so weird. And then at the very end, which like I was like. Ready for this guy to tell him off. Or something. And then he didn't. And then he's like. <laughs> he just co-signed. <laughs> I was like, no, you were supposed to be on our side. <laughs> like you made me feel that there were mm-hmm, sides to take. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. then he just like stabbed me in the back. I didn't enjoy it. <laughs> Okay, I have more to say about Julian Mustakovich and what an awful person he is. All right. <laughs> All right. <laughs> uh, we, do, we do learn also at the end, it's like a hurried finale. The only reason that this rich man was invited to the party is because he is like the admissions counselor. Like he owns a school that they were trying to enroll the little poor redhead in. Oh, that's right. He was literally invited to see if they could 
enroll him in a school because they really care for their governess and her child. That's right. I forgot about that. And they wanted him to have an education. That's the only reason he was invited. That's right. And he just denies this child an education, like changes the course of his life forever because he was embarrassed at his own bad behavior. Yeah. Ugh, despicable. It is so despicable. Yuck. Yuck. Yucky yuckers. You fuck is what I say. Yuck you fuck. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) Um, it made me think of a couple things, too, because I was like, tell me, I don't know anything about Russia in the 1840s. Like, <laughs> I mean, I have all these strong opinions about that. But what was America like? And so right. I thought about like, like my brain started just like mm-hmm. rolling because I was so grossed out that this guy was like kissing <laughs> this little 11 year old and then married her five years mm-hmm. later. It's so gross. There was probably some sort of grooming process happening of during course. that five years and like who the fuck knows. Of course. But it also made me think like our age of consent in America. State by state and you can get married way under 16. That's fucking disgusting. Oh, yeah. It's so disgusting. And this is a judgment, just to be clear. <laughs> These parents that sign off Let me tell you, because I've done the research, they're never, never signing off on their young sons to marry an adult woman. Oh, exactly. Never. Yes. So it's literally the same. Like, things are the same in present day. You can tell I really enjoyed reading this. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) You're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And it also made me grossed out thinking, like, Mm -hmm. there's, like, the, like, beloved celebrities that we have here who, like, exclusively only date 18-year-olds, and they're, like, 40-plus. Oh, sure. There's countries all over the world, like, European countries where people go travel, and I'm sure they're probably fucking a bunch of 16-year-old girls, too, because it's illegal. And I'm around 16-year-old girls. I have, like, nieces (laughs) that are Mm -hmm. 16, and they are babies. Mm -hmm. It's too young. I don't know much about Jeffrey Epstein, you know, so I can't get into it, but I do know that one of his big defenses that always got him out year after year after year was like, I'm a business person. I travel. I can't possibly be responsible for knowing one country to one state what the age Fucking is. Fucking gross. So, like, you can't hold me accountable for this. Like, that was literally his go-to in present times. So disgusting. Yeah, we really can't be judging Russia for this. No, no, no. I was trying not to judge. I was like, whoa, like, America has some shit. We have some fucking shitty-ass history. So let's, let me just look. And in the 1880s, this is 40 years after this story was was written in America, the age of consent, now, like, hold your vomit in because you're going to gross out. Okay. The age of consent was 10 Oh my God. Or 12 oh years God. old in <laughs> oh most God. states, in most Eek. of the states, with the exception of Delaware. Okay, Delaware. Which was seven years old. <gasps> yes. That's in 1880 <laughs> in America, in the United States Holy of America. Lollies, lollies, lollies. Can you believe that? I no. like literally almost threw up all over my computer. Yeah, that's really tough to hear. It's tough. But my only point in saying that is that right. I'm grossing out about this groomed bride at 16. Oh, yeah, for sure. But that was 1840. It could be a lot worse. Oh, for <laughs> sure, a lot worse. Like, he could have probably yes. married her at 11. Yep. You're, you're, you're. <sighs> this was hard. <laughs> I'd like to tell you a little bit about Dostoevsky. Okay. Because it's kind of wild, actually. <laughs> like, you know how we have banned books? Well, books are the devil, Bethany. <laughs> <laughs> so, Dostoevsky was sentenced 
to death. Really? Sentenced to death for discussing, just discussing banned books. Wow. Just discussing them. And he was actually moments away from the firing squad. Wow. Like he was on the public stand with the crowd around when someone from the government came and stopped it. Wow. And then... They sent him to a no joke. This is like something I feel like is a joke, like a punchline. But he was then sent to a real Siberian prison camp. Jesus Christ. (laughs) Yeah, I just think that's really intense. Like just for the crime, quote unquote, of talking about the books, not like writing them, distributing them. Sure. Whatever. Just talking about them. Holy moly's. Yeah. And I chose a particularly bad example for us, but. This other piece that's famous called Notes from the Underground. It influenced Chekhov, mm-hmm. Nietzsche, and Sartre. Oh. And was the formation of the emergence of existentialism and Freudianism. So his importance is really not as an author, but it's more in his concepts. Yeah. Well, that's what I was saying in the beginning. Like, I knew we were going to get, like, an existential kind of, like, moral dilemma. I would have to say that... After reading this, I would probably never read anything of his ever again. So <laughs> Nobody's really pushing for it. <laughs> BDP, one, two, three. That's me. What do you rate this story? I rate the story. Can we just try to see? Two this out one? of five kind poor redheads. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to give it a one out of five. Poor little redheads. Hot take, hot take. I did not like it. (laughs) I didn't like it at all. Um, Not just like the messaging. I guess that's the one point. The one point. That's what it gets. The one point. That's it. That's all I got. Yeah, I think it gets two points for sure. Because even though you would have preferred that the narrator make a judgment, still obviously Dostoevsky's bringing it to our attention so that we can think about this. Like he struck a nerve. And tapped into something that is a part of our history. Like all of these societies that we're familiar with are patriarchal. Women are treated as property. Yes. Um, and that's what the story's about. Right. So just like p- focusing your laser on it is valuable, even if I did not enjoy it. Yep. I gave it a solid one. <laughs> yeah. Heard that. <laughs> gave it a one. <laughs> <laughs> ready to see some simple art you should look at my simple art first okay <laughs> simple oh. well bethany's is simple too <laughs> just as simple as mine oh my so what i see in front of me is a christmas tree with a big red star i really mm. wanted that to rhyme too but it didn't <laughs> orange stars mm-hmm. as the decor mm-hmm. and then i think there's a um, crescent moon behind it there sure is Please explain. I would love to. I can't wait. And we know it's in Crayola, which is great. It's in Crayola. For the first time ever, trademark. Also, that red star, that's Crayola? That's Crayola, baby. Damn. So I'm so excited to announce, Jory, that that is not a Christmas tree. It is actually a man and a long beard (laughs) with a penis hanging out of the bottom of it. Listen, dude. Okay. It is a Russian New Year yolka. Oh. All right. All right. Okay. (laughs) Here's what I learned. Okay. 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 
Um, this is a whole thing. Okay. This is a whole thing. The Christmas tree, <laughs> quote unquote, in Russia uh-huh. has gone through all these iterations. And it's like the symbol of socio-political strife. Mm-hmm. And it has gone through all these ups and downs where it's been banned or reintroduced by the government as like propaganda through different revolutions. I don't know anything about Russia. Like I've said, maybe Mm -hmm. 45 or 75 (laughs) times. So you're saying you are a Russian expert. (laughs) Seriously? Are there Christians in Russia? I didn't need to like whisper it, but I know there's like the, it really confuses me. There are some outlawed religions and religion was outlawed. So that's the thing that you're referencing. All religion was outlawed and with it went the Christmas tree. Okay. So there was a time when Russia had the similar traditions as Europe, Uh similar Christmas. Christmas looked the same. Yeah. Then there was the Bolsheviks who banned it completely. And this is in the, like the 20th century that all this went down, right? I can't speak to it. Oh, okay. I can't speak to it. I don't, don't, don't ask me for dates. Okay. Sorry for anyone listening who's like, you fucking morons. <laughs> like I said, I don't know anything about Russia. Listen, we know we don't know. I'm just explaining the tree and okay. that's as far as I can get into this. But my understanding, there was a Russian revolution and then Stalin brought it back. And at that point, it was only for the wealthy. Mm. So it's just gone through all of these different iterations of what it represents and how the government relates to it. And it's been like this huge thing. Uh But what I learned doing this research in the New Year's Yolka is the Kremlin Red Star. So it is a propagandist holiday. And the government has solely decided when we're allowed to use it and when we're not and who has access to the Christmas tree. So interesting. Like, it's not for nothing that the story was set on New Year's and that it's called a Christmas tree and a wedding because what he's doing is explaining to us very, and actually very clear terms for that society, what's going on with their sociopolitics, like what's going on in their, where they're at in their politics. So like the Christmas tree to that community and that society has like all of these implications. So I just thought that was so interesting. So fascinating. Okay. So the piece that I did is actually a 1960s postcard. Oh. And the Christmas tree is in the moon because in front of it is a little cosmonaut. Oh. And it was like the Space Wars. Oh, so it was yeah. like a national. I didn't draw the cosmonaut, but that's like the inspiration was this 1960s piece of art. Okay. Yeah. The Space Wars. Yeah. With this little cosmonaut. Yeah. So it was all propagandist. All right, Bethany, I'm going to correct you. She said... At the top of the episode, this was a simple (laughs) art piece. That might have been the most complex art piece that you've ever brought to Art of the Short Motherfucker. But not me. It was Dostoevsky. He did it. He did it. I just have to explain it to us. It's just an interesting thing to think about. And thank you for enlightening me. Oh, my God. I'm opening your art. I just jumped into it. Okay. I'm looking. I'm looking. Oh, my God. Did you make this? Yeah, I drew it. No. I drew that simple little man. You got to use Russian letters? I wanted to use Russian letters too, so bad. I mean, I looked it up in Google Translate. It's so so cool. (laughs) It looks so cool. Is it a photo of crinkly paper? No. I had had crinkly paper hanging around. No, I had, um, (laughs) like, I have packing paper. Yeah. That's what that is. Let me me describe what we're seeing, because I don't think we even talked about that. Okay, go ahead, go ahead. I drew Julian... 
Mistakovich. A rotand businessman. On a brown paper sack kind of paper, like packing paper. <laughs> and he's got a big, fat, round, sweaty head. He has a three-piece suit. Three-piece suit, shiny shoes. Bow tie, bald head. And then if you zoom in towards his crotch. Oh, I saw it right away. I tried to give him a boner with- It's a bulge with a, a money, money sign. sign on it. <laughs> It's very gross. And I did that because does he have a boner for this little 11-year-old girl or for money and or both? And it should be disturbing and it should creep you out. This looks great. This is so good. So I like Google translated human garbage. Yes, I see. So the translation is probably completely wrong. (laughs) But um, and then on the very bottom... It's how you pronounce it and then like the meaning of what it was. So very cool. Human garbage because he is human garbage. <laughs> because Joy was waiting for the narrator to make a judgment and he did it. So she so did. I did. I had so many judgments <laughs> about this. Come on. <laughs> oh my God. I love it so much. Art of the show. Art of the show. Art of the show. Art of the show. On the next episode of Art of the Short, Little Shorties, we'll be reading Hatchling by Lucy Zhang. As always, a free link to this short story is in our show notes for you. And we'd like to see what you fucking make. So send us your art at artoftheshort.com. And follow the installation. I can't go that long. (laughs) Follow us on Instagram, on Twitter, and Facebook at Art of the Short. And be a part of this installation. We want to know what you think about Julian Mastakovich Mm -hmm. and his greasy little money boner. I'm sorry I said it. Well, it's true. I know. Gotta call it like you see it. Please let us know. Read the story. Let us know. (laughs) Okay, Jerry. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. I really want that to be that you're like trying to fist bump me. <laughs> yeah, bro. Yeah, you can see my irregular, fre- irregular freckle here. Oh yeah, I can. can I thought it? it was like a, a sharpie dot. When I got my moles mapped, the doctor said these are my only irregular moles on my whole body. Oh, that was like the most like old lady conversation we've ever had. Maybe. <laughs> irregular oh, look moles. Look at my irregular moles. My doctor says to keep an eye. On Listen, a lot of young people have skin cancer concerns so we shouldn't be ageist oh my god no you're right melanoma is real melanoma is (laughs) real this is it's not anything to laugh at (laughs) no it really isn't but you just made me feel really bad (laughs) this is not a laughing matter it's not but i'm laughing because i'm embarrassed and Mm -hmm. you made me Upset about my own things that came out of my mouth. You made me upset. <laughs> Don't cut this story. <laughs> you made me upset about my at myself. <laughs> I'm still laughing. I'm just still laughing about it. <laughs> Art is the devil. The devil made me do it. Music is Satan. Don't express yourself. Just kidding.